Welcome to episode 43. Check out what's in store for you this week. At some point, you just stop and be like, it's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing I can do is enough to have remembered every little word that should have been where. And, and... So how to, anyway, that's yeah. a whole other story. But like, we'll get into the weeds situation. too quickly if, we, if we're left to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. These are scissors. You put your fingers in them and they cut things. <laughs> like... <laughs> We are back, people, to the High Tech Podcast. Another week, another episode, more things to talk about, more technology, never gets old. You're joined by myself, Josh Schwartz, one of the hosts, and then also the great, great Will Illingworth. The great? Over there. He's got some facial hair now. So, oh. uh, you know, yeah, the more facial hair, the more great you get. Okay, so, okay, so just keep going. I might be the best eventually. Yeah, just keep going. So, uh, welcome back, everybody, to another episode uh, we got some great stuff planned this week, and we're still going. Season two, going strong, you know, tons of good stuff. I'm excited for what's to come, just with you guys, in a couple episodes. There's going to be some cool stuff, some series within the season. It's like podcastception. Podception. A little bit. Podception. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just excited, hopefully, to get through these next five episodes or whatever we've been working on, because we've been recording all over the place and my brain hurts i'm tired of like <laughs> recording we recorded episodes in the last week that we won't air for like two months and i can't i don't know yeah. what to do about it we have we we have no idea what's going on if we seem slightly confused when some of these episodes it's because will and i kind of forget what time we're in so there's <laughs> this is this is what i feel like time travel feels like you know like on a very low scale well, and it makes you know, me obviously have, without all the science. It makes me have so much respect for like you know J.R.R. Tolkien, Brandon Sanderson, some of these great writers, like prolific authors who like figured out a timeline, created worlds, wrote books across yeah. years and years. I was like, how the heck do I? We can barely pull a podcast yeah. off over a couple. And of months. like, I'm laughing because we're complaining about this right now, but somebody out there who's made like a real movie is like, you idiots! This is literally what we do all the time. <laughs> Inter- like Interstellar. <laughs> how how did they do Interstellar? You know, like. <laughs> like we literally recorded the last scene first i don't know what you're complaining about this is the witcher season one right like they ran three yeah. timelines at the same time overlapping but yeah. before and after each other like, exactly yeah. this is minor stuff we need to get over it anyway um <laughs> some great stuff to talk about this week but before we do our regular spiel of the high tech podcast because we want to make sure you know we exist beyond just the episode you're listening to so uh, remember, check us out online. Uh, we have social media. You can check us out at Twitter. I said we have social media, and it makes it sound like we have a lot. It's really yeah. just Twitter. Find us on this, so this, go find this, us this. Th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just Twitter. Go find us on Twitter, at High Tech Podcast. Uh, we'd love, if you don't already, for you to follow us and subscribe to us. Check us out. Uh, we post stuff there sometimes, fun gifts, fun memes, um, and uh, yeah, just fun stuff. We'd like to connect with you there. So make sure, find us on Twitter, at High Tech Podcast. And then also you can also message us at inbox at hightechpod.us. I've been doing a thing in some episodes recently where I ask people to send us a unique animal depending on the episode they've listened to. And so if you're listening to this one right now, I would like for you to send us a picture of a wombat. Okay? I want a, I want a wombat. A wombat. <laughs> yes. I'm Mainly not sure I know like, what I one of those looks like. <laughs> You know, you're. That's a good point because I don't either. I just kind of picked like, like literally, it came to my mind. This was not planned out ahead of time. I was just that's, like, oh, I didn't pick an animal. A wombat's <laughs> not a Pokemon, right? <laughs> no, it's not a Pokemon. It's a real animal. Just con- I think. Just, just asking for a friend. 
I'm pretty, pretty sure. And Google Wombat and send us a picture to inbox at hightechpod.us. Um, that's our email. Uh, and also, if you have any other fun things or you're interested in talking about the podcast or ed tech or whatever it may be, this is a great place to find us and hit us up. And then finally, to find us anywhere else, you're already listening to us, so you've at least found us in some way. But if you don't already know, we have a website, hightechpod.us. Uh, so every episode that we release comes with an episode page. And for most of those episodes, there's resources, fun things there. Um, so we just encourage you to check it out. We put some time into that stuff there, and it can help you get started with some of the apps we mentioned. So if you really like something we talk about in the podcast, uh, check out our website, and you can find some more resources on how to use that app and get started with it um, right there. So anyway, with that said, that's all the, the fun stuff, uh, the not fun stuff, the intro stuff, logistics? all that great stuff. What are uh, logistics? What are we talking about this week, Will? I... Don't remember. So Do you? I, I, I had already <laughs> scrolled down to the bottom of the page, and I almost <laughs> read the wrong thing again. Three episodes in oh, a row. Oh, man. We today are talking about testing and how specifically do we test for learning, right? We've talked about quizzing. Yeah. We've ta- we, This isn't a necessarily like completely new topic, but like this exactly is something that um, is becoming more prevalent for me as I work in corporate now. Um, but but we've dealt with, Josh and I have dealt with their entire career so far. Like testing is a big thing. Papers are tests. Mm-hmm. Quizzes are tests. Group projects are tests in some way, right? But we're talking about testing, uh, you know, through the quizzing tool for an exam. Like we want to really focus in on that yeah. um, and say like, how do we actually do that for learning? Like, is there a way that we do that that's not just maybe punitive or for compliance but helps yeah. the student learn something, you know, is not, is going to reinforce what they've been getting in the rest of the classroom. Yeah. And for context, I mean, this, this topic came up between you and I as a topic to, to talk about, because like you mentioned in your corporate world, now that you've been working in, you know, the, the special world over there in corporate, um, the, uh, I don't know where I was okay, going with that. Cool. It's, you know, I'll, that's the last time I'll say <laughs> Thank that. Thank you. So anyway, um, <laughs> the, you, you're coming across the quizzing thing a lot more. I mean, right. this is, is pretty prevalent in, that area um in higher ed i mean it's not that it's not prevalent i mean it just depends on the topic i think we definitely don't see it in our online courses that i've worked on quite as much um, because i think we have some education people that also try to avoid quizzes as much as possible um but we can't get around them i mean like any of the math courses we've designed there's quizzes in those um, language courses like i would argue that for language courses practice quizzes things like that are actually really helpful if done correctly um, but I've, I've also seen some bad examples. So I don't think it's just in the corporate field. We see this quizzes is used, uh, tests are used obviously in higher ed and I think can be used poorly, uh, <laughs> in some places, especially online quizzes. I think obviously we're kind of focusing on that space. Like how do you do kind of the quizzes in the digital realm uh, a little bit, but I think what we're talking about can apply to good old scantrons and paper quizzes Ooh. and whatever you're, you're talking to. I don't know the last time I touched a Scantron, but I'm sure they're still out there. Um, <laughs> oh, and they are. more, more okay. importantly, like who's still paying. <laughs> I, I it, it blew my mind when I found out, I think probably in my first year or two of working in, in higher education that like that stuff is built on a subscription model too. Like I, I always just thought yeah. like you bought a machine, you bought cards end of the day. Right. But like, I get it. If an entire institution's using them, people would subscribe to a company. And so you would get like a bundle of Scantrons every month. And then somebody would come out and like, yeah, fix your, you know, your, your Scantron machine once a semester, you know, like it was like a scanner copier. And I'm like, ah, oh, today, like I could never, I could never in my mind fathom paying for that service. 
Oh yeah, I would never justify it anymore. I mean, like your LMS has come equipped with a lot of this stuff, but that's that's a whole other topic. To the point of the quiz and test stuff, it's like how do we how do we use this for learning? Because I'll be honest, I think the other piece of this conversation to keep in consideration is I made this joke, but I think in education especially, quizzes and tests get a bad rap sometimes. Like I feel like yeah, they're kind yeah. of treated like the the low ball way of assessing and like and and they kind of get paired up helpful. there. They get paired up there with lecture, right? Like they get beat up. Yeah. Like lecture isn't in yeah, itself bad. Quizzes, tests are not in themselves bad. There's bad ways to do them. Just like PowerPoint, yeah. you know, there's still people running around making PowerPoints <laughs> like it's 1998. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's always great way. To... That's not true. That can't be true. Um, <laughs> there's no bad way to do a PowerPoint. I love my word art. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, to your to your point, I feel like they get grouped into that like that no-no space in education, right? And, like, I don't think they're always bad. <laughs> I think it's just that, like, when it comes to professors or instructors, and even I've been in this category, we don't always know how to use them well. And I think right. that's why we want to talk about kind of, like, how to do that with learning. So all that all that background, I think, kind of jumps in. So I think we're just going to, you know, we're going to give our thoughts. We're going to bounce around because that's what we do with the High Tech Podcast. We have very, very loose outlines um, that would be barely called an outline. So We wrote one um, this week. But I that's think, good. <laughs> yeah, we wrote one this week. I think the big thing that's coming out in your and I's conversations before the episode, Will, where, like, this concept of, like, compliance versus competency, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. where I think our problem is, is a lot of times I feel like quizzes are used in a way of like punitive compliance right and so like and that can take different forms i've seen instructors who set up quizzes online where like the student just reports how much reading they've done down to the percentage um i've seen them where it's just it, did you read it like yes no you know yeah, like did that's you read the quiz. It, yes or no like that's what the quiz has been used for and it's like okay that's not assessing any competency that's not assessing whether or not they actually read and understood what they read right this is assessing did they read and also side note i talk about this with coworkers all the time what student knows how to evaluate the percentage of reading they finished right. like like how do you do that okay do like that's a whole other to topic take... but like just a side yeah like if you, what would you do you take the words and you're the paragraphs of the pages and you divide how many pages you read but then at the same time it's like what we know what academic reading looks like you don't always read every word on every page right. you focus in on the important stuff especially when you have a ton of reading to do in a college program like so how to anyway that's a whole other story but like that, we'll get that into whole the weeds situation. too quickly if we if we're left to ourselves <laughs> yeah. that's what i've seen and i've also seen that i think like the punitive things we've talked about like to a certain extent yes like i want to quiz on terms and things that they know and i want to make sure they understand them but like how do we sometimes we set up our quizzes sometimes in ways that i feel like are just like here you have to know everything i've ever talked about and i'm not going to tell you ahead of time what you're supposed to understand for the quiz you're just supposed to guess and then you're going to get this huge quiz that's worth or final that's worth like your entire grade yeah and let's see how do, you do, do like you is remember, that really tested competency do you remember test like i think i think if i say this you'll know who i'm talking about probably the hardest tests exams i ever took at our alma mater Oh, I know. Right? I know exactly where you're going um, with that. Do you, ma you remember? Do you remember studying for those? Like, you'd pull the study guide out, you'd look through everything, you'd you'd write down your own notes, and you at some point you just stop and be like, "It's not enough." There's, there's yeah, no, nothing I can do is enough to have remembered every little word that should have been where and and you know, like I just think that that yeah, kind like of level of one hundred percent of of knowledge retention is a high. It's it's such a high expectation that someone would get such minute details without 
without any other structure, without any other scaffold to help you work on that content, right? I think, and yeah. to your point about language, right? I think language is such a good example of how it can work because if you give folks um, a, a test on verb conjugations or if you give uh, uh, folks a test on just vocabulary, right? Everything else you do in the course is using that vocabulary, is using that verb tense. Like they, It's not like they're just using that alone. And then you get into one of yeah. these courses where, you know, it's it's a terminology dense or it's a fact dense course and, and examination practice. But then those facts are not used in anything else. Like, where is yeah. this body of water? Where did that tribe go? How did, you know, how many people were a part of this battle? Those are interesting, great facts. But if that's not, if you only tested on that in the exam... It's it's so much less useful than maybe tying that into a narrative understanding of the concept or having the student create a story about it as well, where they put a fictional character into that same area or timeline of of life and and give them life or go through an experience with as that yeah. character. Like there's rich ways to experience those same facts without it literally just being a list on the wall. Yeah. Well, and I think the other piece to this I have the problem with is um and it's it's not just like this isn't professor's fault i think this is like this is just a thing we've seen through education sure, especially sure. In higher yeah, yeah like where like there's this this existence of this idea where like i need to have this giant final at the end that they prep for but then and i see i've seen a lot of people do this well like the, even the people that i would criticize in area in other areas of this i've seen them do stuff like they have a bunch of quizzes throughout the course that build up to the information within this sure this final which is good like i like that but then we still see some of the people who are like okay here's like the two tests you have the entire class and then there's nothing else like building up to that in my mind if i'm going to use like quiz and exam tools i think to do it in a way that's not just for compliance to what it is or like a punitive kind of thing or just like a i've proven that you know all these things <laughs> right, by right. the end type of thing is is actually done in more smaller intervals of to help them retain things so that they can better than pull that into show competency and, and bring together complexity. Right. And again, it depends on what you're you're teaching on, right? If I'm teaching on a language course where like they really are memorizing a lot of terms and conjugations and how things work together, a lot of I think practice quizzes and things they can help build that knowledge base over time and then connecting that into stuff they have to do like speaking and sentences and things like that is is helpful and i think right. that helps kind of show competency and the quizzes should be in my mind not used in a way to say oh you know this for sure but actually like a way to say like okay we're going to help you have a practical way of seeing like progress to how you learn oh, not necessarily yeah. Yeah. like a you need to prep unknowingly for weeks for these quizzes or tests and then like this is the day you either know you've gotten it or not. We know that's not how learning right. works. Like you don't just like memorize everything and then just know it. Yeah. Like it over time you learn and progressively retain things. So like that's well, quizzes should fit <laughs> that model. Like we should be using them as a tool to do that as benchmarks, but ways that are, I think more helpful for students. It's no surprise listeners that Josh and I have a background in, in religion and theology. We, we both, uh, you know, have a certain, flavor of that and that's for our personal lives yeah. but we come out of that education space as well so it's it's really interesting to me when we talk about like the impact of this quizzing retention learning pra practice and then i think about like where in my life has it gone well and and i actually think that friday mornings when i have breakfast with a couple of guys every friday 
And if we get talking about religion, philosophy, the, those, that's actually the hardest tests I've ever had in my life. Sitting there trying to answer questions for folks who might be two and three times my age about things that I've studied or about religion and stuff, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, man, wait, do I have that fact right? You know, because I, I didn't keep all that information from the quizzes I took. It did. It, that didn't sit with me. But the proof in that is having the, having the ability, having the time to hold a conversation with someone else and teach them about it, help them come to some understanding on those subjects. That, for me, is a very rich example of how some of the lessons, some of the practices I went through in my undergrad really worked, really reinforced that information for me. Whereas if you ask me, you know, how many people were involved in X war, I, I, don't, I don't, it was on a test. It was on a test at one yeah. point, but I don't know the answer. And, and, and is it and relevant? That's the point. Yeah, like what's relevant? And also, let's be honest, that large test at the end of the course, just because they got a good grade on it does not mean they've retained and are going that to they remember. Could have, and what was the point? That they could have that Friday morning conversation and answer the questions, right? So I feel yeah. like there's some things where I've, I did well and, and got good information and I can answer questions for people. But like you said, you could have somebody who could ace your course and ace all your quizzes and not be able to have that Friday morning breakfast conversation or yeah. an engineer, right? Not be able to go out and then engineer something. Like that's the, that's the point. You want people yeah. to not only go through your examinations, through your testing processes, to show you something, right? This is that compliance element that we're talking about, but to be able to themselves hold competency. Like, I think that a, a beautiful imagination, imaginative way to look at this would be like maybe tests and quizzes all through the end of the semester, but still the end is an oral exam. You know, like the final exam should be some sort of critical defense or presentation style where you have to show your chops. Like, did you get it? Did you actually understand yeah. the content from this course? Well, again, I think it depends on what the course is. And I think at the end of the day, the answer for us is not as simple as like, okay, this is how you test for competency. Here are the like five ways you set up quizzes to do it. Like, it's not that simple. It's, right. I think it's, it's more of the question of, okay, what is the final goal? I know this sounds so crazy. What is the final <laughs> goal of the course? What is the outcome? Okay. And then how can you leverage quizzing and this type of this feature of being able to question based assessment to build a knowledge that's necessary to get to something at the end that reaches that goal so like for instance we've talked about our background and kind of religion theology type of space of where we came out of an education like i could see like theology course building smaller quizzes to help students better understand the terms and what they mean, what that theological thought is that builds slowly to more of like, maybe like you said, or exam, or maybe like a quiz that has a short, more short essay response oh, sure, the sure. end where you've got to be more using that terminology in uh, expression of what you're talking about an argumentative way or whatever the goal yeah. is of the course. It, it varies on what you're looking at. Um, but even like a history course, like Okay, if you want them to remember those names and places, why? Well, you want them to understand what happened in history, okay? So, like, if depending on what your goals are, I would probably do quizzes where maybe initially you're more focused on them trying to remember these terms, and it starts to build and scaffold up to more complex stuff, where now they're having to actually, like, recite back, like, the effects of these events on people in history. Like, what, how this changed and impacted our history. Like, how World War II changed the economy. I don't like, there's, there's a lot of things you could go in different directions with that. I think. Yeah. Um, 
but at the end of the day, I think quizzes and tests should be seen as something building towards something, not a final death race to remembering <laughs> everything that happened in the course. Because at the end of the day, I'm sorry, those super large finals you did at the end of the course, I'm not sure they helped me better remember what you talked about in the course. Even some of the crazier classes we've had where there were big finals. I, I don't, I'm not sure... They really helped me deeply remember all the pieces. They gave me some of the groundwork that then when I wrote maybe more essays or um, looked more at the conversations in class, they helped me better understand. And I think that's okay to do stuff like that. Like I liked the instructors who did quizzes that were to remember some of the topics based on what you read, like asking questions about the reading and how this would impact this before I came into class. So when I came into class, I was more prepped for the bigger conversation we were going to have. Right. Like that type of stuff is helpful. Um, but then I also remember quizzes that were like super lowball that basically asked the same eight questions every time and they were multiple choice and I could answer them basically without actually reading and just right. looking up where things were. And should I have been doing that? Probably not. Um, but you also well, left it easy for me to do it. Like, so and this again, is where it's, that, it's not, that, the goal yeah. of that assessment though, Josh, is to like show compliance that you got to page 39 and show compliance that you got to page 52 and show comp like I, I, that's yeah. where I think we, we, we tried to lead on the front with that comparison, compliance versus comp competency. We want folks to take quizzes, to learn something, to become more competent. And so that's very yeah easy to see in something like Duolingo and some of the language learning apps that are out there because as you do more quiz questions, you move further in, in their progression theory. Like you can't get to the end of a Duolingo course without yeah answering every question yeah like it, it, it and it's going to take forever yeah. and there's random questions and it's and it's auto-generated there's a lot of good content there we may not be able to do that same scale in a single higher ed course but i think that principle is the undercurrent of like a successful uh, competency-based uh, quizzing system lots of questions frequently all the time like like yeah. You just need them to keep doing it. And when you have them do another assessment, for instance, like if they do a paper or if they have to do a project or if they have to create something like you, you need to be using then those same keywords, terms, terminology, people as a part of those projects and assessments. Like if you do a whole thing on the different types of tanks from World War II, and that's the quizzes that they take <laughs> from week to week, I need like that. We always come back to this. If that's if that's the bulk of the quizzing, then that next paper they do should should have them investigate or or you know tease out ideas about the types of tanks from World War Two. You know, like don't make them take that paper and write about um, the food deficits that the military suffered because of you know supply chain issues. I, you know, I. I Yes, that's the same issue, but if you're teaching about tanks, have the same, have this, you know, I feel like I've done so many courses where, yes, the food supply chain issue was something that happened in World War II and the tanks was something that happened in World War II, but I can't study those in, in congruence, like, unless yeah. the tanks were what failed to bring the food in the supply chain. I don't know. Like, if you find that correlation, <laughs> great. But This tank class is my favorite. I love it. I'm it's going to be, it's... By the end of High Tech Podcast, there will be a tank class. Someone will be inspired, and they'll be like, there has to be a way to teach about I, tanks. I bet you saying. it's there. I bet you it exists. Yeah. 
It's it probably exists somewhere. We gotta look this up. If you know about a tank class, hit us up on Twitter or our, <laughs> our email and let us know. I want to know and I want to talk about it. Anyway, yeah. I th- again, I think where it really comes down to what we're talking about is that um, I love your concept of like often and intentional yeah. quizzing and testing, and that it's not kind of like an in. I think where our biggest problems have been is the courses that don't do it frequently. They're these giant tests that expect a student to remember all of these different multiple choice questions. And then somehow that's an argument. You've remembered all those things. We know that's not how retention works. We know that what's really happening there is that they can remember that big scale things for that test. And then they're done and half of it leaves their brain. Like they don't remember half it. And that's not, that shouldn't be our goal. Like, why is that what we're going for? To dump as much in so that more dumps out. Like that's ridiculous. So like, we need to be thinking about how can we use these exams or quizzes as tools to help build competency over time, building up to something bigger, whatever that goal may be for the course. I think like that's that's how I would sum up where I think quizzes can be used well. And that's why I think we often hear in language courses they work so well because it's more obvious. It's more obvious that like I'm building up these terms right. and language to get somewhere with the language. And so that's why Duolingo does it really well. But I don't think it has to just be language courses. I think there's a lot of ways that we could use those more intentionally. Now, I think before we move on to a bunch of stuff, I want to get to a couple of practical examples I think you threw up. Yeah. Because we do have some stuff that I think you can generally take as a practice when you're designing a quiz or exam that'll help. So I'll throw in this first one I think we had in here because I love this and I want to use more of them. And if I had more of my daily work being in designing stuff right now, I would try to find places for them. But I love online quizzes for scenarios. Like quizzing can be really cool for scenarios. Like my immediate thought was like, Thinking of, and this for me it always comes back to like counseling courses because like I think they should use more scenario quizzes than they actually right, do right. in online counseling courses. But um, like building up some quizzes initially, I think to like get some terminology, what you should be doing, and then developing that a step farther to say like, okay, what if I use this quiz not just as a tool with multiple choice, but they're actually presented scenarios, and based on how they respond, they get certain feedback. Um, right. That would be incredible like that that uses a method to kind of literally give them options and they have to choose and they're getting feedback back and that feedback is helping also train them in what you want which is kind of these the kind of the murkiness sometimes and the ways that we should be handling questions and that's real life that's a simulated version of what they're going to get in real life, which is they're going to be prevent- presented with a scenario, have to make a choice, and something's going to happen because of that choice. Yeah. And so like those simulated quizzes, I think, are a great way to use it. So if you can find places, it doesn't have to just be in counseling. I think there's other places. Well, I, I saw Theology some, courses, simulated quiz, quizzes would be great. I saw some in the criminal justice space. It was a Qualtrics survey. They use conditional formatting that, again, if you, if okay. you pick this, it took you to that. If you pick this, it took you to that. And... Mm-hmm. and it's then a decision tree, right? If I do this, yes or no. If I do this, yes or no. And, and based on every yes and no, you get different feedback. And I think you're right. Yeah. That's that's a really powerful thing. Um, one Side note, in corporate, that would be a much better way to deal with quizzes in most cases than what they actually end up doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you... Like simulation based on the things they learned. Right. I would yeah. love that. Um, <laughs> so that's a positive. That's a, that's a like, hey, try yeah. this. Create scenarios. And some folks, you know, might be a little... 
what's the word you know like a little scared of it or a little uncertain if that's like a lot of work or not or not sure how to start you can do it very linearly with just 10 questions right the the thing being that you might not get as much like customization but just do 10 question quiz and based on each question they have to respond to smaller scenarios they don't have to be one global scenario it's great to have a big narrative like that but each question can be its own scenario i've answered hundreds of those in, in my education career that's that's a positive suggestion uh something that i want to encourage you to if you're working on tests um just in general avoid the all of the above bias um if yeah. i see an all of the above i assume it's correct and so i spend more time i'm I, this is me but it's also pretty well proved in in like testing science if i, I spend more time trying to disprove the all of the above or like find some way it shouldn't be that then I do thinking about answering the question. Like I, I go like, oh, all the above? Ah, huh, well, you know, if it's C, is that all the above? Well, if it's B, is it like, no, no, no don't, don't worry about it being all the above or not. I want them to know, did, did FDR say that? Or did JFK say that? Or did somebody <laughs> else say that, right? Like I need to yeah. have that information. Don't, don't kind of give them that like knee-jerk response. And, and you will have students that just click all the above because they assume on some percentage, right, 60, 70, 80% of the time, that's going to be the right answer. So why take time in, in, in testing skills? Why should a student take time on any questions that say all the above when they could have a high percentage of getting that right just by clicking it? So yeah. it's, that's one of those pitfalls. Like it's easy. We think that that's a great thing to ask all those, you know, you're going to capture all that information in one, all the above, but it actually doesn't. It, they don't focus on A, B, and C then. All they do is click D. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. I think the more you can push on that, the better. Um, and that also allows you then to do stuff like we'll often have problems with people running LMSs where they do like all the above and then they try to like randomize <laughs> right. the things. And then all of a sudden all of the above is literally nothing. Instead of, um, instead of asking, it, well, one. but then they have to write like all of the other answers and it's like really? yeah all of the other, yeah it's that's... like well, like just come up with better right. like options and um, it's not wrong to act, you know it's it's kind of easy like oh if i write in all the above i i can do one question write three questions if you want those three things to be answers to a question write that question differently and give each of those answers let them take the time to differentiate that correct answer from wrong answers that's the goal of that kind of testing don't let them get by on chance and bias. That's not the goal. Um, yeah, and I think the only other thing I would add in, in my list on this before we move on to some other stuff is where you can provide feedback as po as much as possible. Uh, yeah. Like, this is often skipped over, but the world of online quizzing and online testing especially has opened a door for this where you can provide instant feedback on multiple choice questions and uh, true and false questions. And there's such a power to doing that um, because it just, it allows for good stuff, like instant feedback for students to be able to feel, to understand why something wasn't right or wrong. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it depends on how you want to do that. I, there's a lot of options where you can do it instantly in the quiz. I like doing it that way, but there's also, if you want them to get done with the whole quiz ahead of time, you can let them do that and then have an option where they see feedback at the end of why they didn't get certain answers. Right. Like there's a lot of different options in, in LMSs uh, that you can use. Obviously we're more familiar with how canvas does it or schoology because of our backgrounds, but um, yeah, I know well, Blackboard has similar methods. If and, you're and not so big on your LMS out there. or if you're not like, you know, in that tech regards, just like make a word document and email that to the class afterwards. Like, 
Yeah. And if you're concerned, well, is that going to get around? Don't put the answers in then. Put the feedback yeah, on feedback. question, you know, put question one. Like You can put all the questions. People are going to give that on Chegg anyways. Like, get over that. That's going <laughs> to happen. But put rationale or put descriptors about each question. They don't have to have the answer in them. Just give them more information that, that will help them get the answer. Like, there's more than one way to have to give feedback, to have students use that feedback, yeah. and to make a test evergreen, you know, so you don't have your, your answer sheet getting out there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, feedback I'll, does not always mean right answer. Yeah. <laughs> with with all this, I I really feel like some of it's new, some of it's like conceptual stuff with with technology that we we just haven't had access to randomization and things like that with with Scantron. Until we got to digital yeah. context, like we didn't have as many functional options. Um, but you know, even this modern stuff needs to be paired with that old stuff. Like Socrates was great for a reason. He he <laughs> has philosophy at its core, at its root, and he taught us so much. Ancient knowledge should not be forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's for sure. I mean, like the Socratic method or, you know, could could be said to be one of those methods that we use when still we're working day, with questions. Even in the midst. Yeah, even when we're working with questions. Yeah. Um, which uh, is weird because it brings to mind will a tool what, that i know tool? which what tool is that yeah the the tool that i've that i've i've looked at before it's it's called socrative oh I think, right wow you, what a this one? what a coinky dink what a what a weird scenario How that we've come ever into. could we transition like that i just yeah we should probably talk about it knows. uh since it seems <laughs> to tie to what we're talking okay so like obviously we're this is our app for today uh but uh I, w- I would throw this out here. What we're about to recommend, if you have an LMS at your institution or where you work at that does quizzing, like you just use that tool. The amount of times I've had instructors go, I want to use this quizzing tool. And I go, what does it do? And they explain it to me. And I go, yeah, but Canvas does that. Right. And they go, but yeah, but it does it the better. And I go, how much better can it do the multiple choice option? <laughs> Like what? What is? Prove, does it prove me? Prove it to me. Like show your work. Well, prove it to me. Does it answer it for them? Like is that is that what that? I don't I don't understand. So anyway, that's my plug. Make sure you use your tools, your LMS, because it's just going to be uh, good. So, but some people are in situations they don't have that. Right. Like they they don't have those standard tools. Well, and and like um, one and thing that happens to uh, an adjunct here's here's something that I would give as a really good example of why you might use something like Socrative, right? If you're an adjunct or if you're even an instructor who's teaching at another school, like people do residencies and things like that, you might not have access to your materials or to bring them to the other school or like an adjunct, you might not work in just one LMS. So I can see No, that's true. I can see that's where like there's a reason you'd want to have these kinds of quizzes and things in a third party. Where as an adjunct, I could use the same quizzes at all the schools I'm teaching. You know what I mean? That would be a really valuable tool. Um, but also Socrative and, and, and a lot of these modern quizzing tools, like even some of the features in Nearpod, the ideas behind them now are just kind of get the students doing them outside of the classroom more frequently. So some of them gamify it or they have fun music like Kahoot if you consider that fun, whatever, you know, like it's stuff that's, that's accessible <laughs> to the student outside the classroom and gets them maybe on their phone to do it, or yeah. they have to do live reactions during class. Like I can see where this might pair alongside of an LMS exam or something mm-hmm. like that. But I, I agree yeah. with Josh's sentiment, like start with your LMS's quizzes because it's a really good thing to just keep using for free. You don't have to pay something more or mm-hmm. be worried about another technical barrier for your students. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Uh, now that said, Socrative is a great solution. I think we've we've thrown out other solutions that do that type of thing in a quizzing type of feature, but Socrative is kind of more of a formal, I think, quizzing tool. Right. This is uh, the which one is why thing I would throw it does. This out if you're looking for a, a tool, so talk about Socrative just a little bit. So the features, it's not going to take too long to talk about them because it's like it's a it's a quiz. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, they allow for. Um, now, I don't know what the, the pro plans look like. I know there's a little bit more. So just like a note, Socrative is a freemium tool. So there's a free version. So Will and I are in that version right now. Um, and in that free version, you get like, they call it a room, but it's basically like, I think it's the equivalent of like a class. Like you can put people into this yeah. and give quizzes to them. Um, you get 50 students per room uh, that you can put it into and you can create up to five quizzes on it. So you can't create like a massive library in the free version. Um, now I will say some of this is you can export stuff as PDFs out of here when you create right, stuff. Right. You like could that, you could import export and and make it work. Yes. But. Um, but anyway, so you can create quizzes in there, and in the free version, you get real basic. I mean, you can basically make multiple choice, true and false, and uh, like short answer, which I would argue for most quizzes you can get the work done with those three options. Yeah. Um, like that's the majority of what people have used in courses I've helped design. Um, and worked on and seen so that gives you a lot um now in the paid versions then they do have deals now this is where the tools it's definitely a freemium tool um you can get pro for as a k-12 teacher for like 90 dollars a year if you're in higher ed like those that we're mostly talking to um the pro is like a higher ed and a corporate they kind of put those two together because obviously we're so the same <laughs> um but uh <laughs> um that's like $180 a year, which seems like a lot, but you get 200 students in there and you get yeah. 20 different rooms that you can do stuff and a ton of activities and quizzes all at the same time. So they have features depending on if you're going to use this a ton for yourself that you could get into and then free if you're just looking to make a couple quizzes that you can share with people online and kind of recycle content. What uh, I think the they're assuming, so think they've got some options. They're there. assuming of that higher ed account too is like, like, big universities you know like i i think they're, yes. they're thinking that you're going to be a teacher of 100 students or 200 students i bet you if you got on chat and explained like hey i have a class of 45 students i just need more features like i would i would go ask for a cheaper account you know what i yeah. mean like i don't i don't know if they would or they wouldn't but it's worth saying like hey i don't teach 200 students i don't have you know six classes but i want more i bet you they could find some something in the middle there because I've asked companies before for cheaper or easier, you know, smaller accounts or limited accounts, and they want your money. At the end of the day, they're, they're going to try and get your money one way or the other. Yeah, there's ways to figure it out. But either way, it's a free version. You can create quizzes with multiple choice, short answer, and true and false questions. And you can share those through a URL with your students, and yeah. then they can take those those quizzes. So it's, it's fairly easy to do. Um, and I think that's why I like Socrative. It's also, it's a pretty... Um, Honestly, it's it's a pretty easy tool to use. Like we've been in here for just a little bit creating some stuff and it's not that difficult to uh, build some stuff out in Socrative. And what I like about Socrative, while it's freemium, it's been around forever. I mean, the tool's been in this world for a good bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm not like concerned about sketchiness and stuff like that. And they work a lot with K-12. So they take into consideration like FERPA and grading concerns. So like the the tool is pretty solid in that, in that respect. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I think it's a cool tool. I like. I wish I could say a ton of super fancy things, but it's a quiz tool, guys. It's uh, <laughs> it does it. It does quizzing. You can add images in there. 
it's it's pretty simple. It's not too crazy. To s- I think if you're looking to get started with something and you don't have access to something already, this is a good tool to try mess around with creating some digital quiz content. To, for to sum up this conversation, um, these are scissors. You put your fingers in them and they cut things. <laughs> like that's a, it, this is not, it's a crotive. It's not like some of our other it's a quiz fancy tool. tools where we have to really it describe it. Things. It's 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 a quiz it quizzes yeah. things. That's what it does. Yeah, but I will say what I like about it too, just a note, is that anytime I'm looking for a quiz tool alternative to what we have, I wanna have feedback options and I think that's Socrative does. So you do have options for providing feedback based on answers. Right. So um that was my only other plug. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a scissors with a good handle. <laughs> it's it's it can be held right and left handed. There we go. Yes, it can be both both options. So uh, yeah, give it a try. Uh, check it out. Uh, just socrative.com. That's you'll get there. You can log in our resource page at our website. We'll talk about it a little bit more. I think. That's all I got. Love it. I, mean, I don't have much more to add to that conversation. Love it. Well, hey, hope, uh, give us some feedback too. Hit us up in inbox dot uh, inbox at hightechpod.us or at, at hightechpodcast if you've used it, if you have insights on it, if you have other recommendations or reviews or templates, anything that would be uh, good for the, yeah. the community. We want to make sure we're sharing that. Next episode, episode 44. We are Whoa. hosting our second guest of season two. We're very excited for this conversation. It's going to be on VR for education. And we're going to talk about the yeah. app Sync Sketch uh, with a good friend of ours, Chris Morris. So we really hope you tune in. We had a lot of fun with this one. Um, yeah. And just like future think, like VR for education. Yeah. What? I feel like I feel like I've traveled in time in that episode. I'm excited. Yeah. For that conversation, like high tech really got high tech. We got really techy techy. <laughs> we went um, there finally. Conversation. We went there, which is perfect. This is no quiz tool, folks. This is VR. This episode is how to use scissors, <laughs> and that episode is what are lasers. This is how like... to use lightsabers. Yes. Like that's like that's. Yes. <laughs> Put it in context. I love it. Uh, until that episode, make sure you find us at hightechpod.us. Share us with friends there. Look at our episodes, past episodes. All of our content there is uh, available to help you get started with any of the apps and things that we've talked about over the year now. Really appreciate it. Uh, but until our next episode, see ya. See ya. I totally forgot the tagline. <laughs>